Colossians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read verse 4 and then I want to pray. Colossians 3 and verse 4. Some of you will recognize this. We were here just a few weeks ago. But it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that as we gather around it, you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Lord, we know it's alive. We know it's active. We know it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, I pray that you would take my remarks this morning and, and translate them by the power of the Holy Spirit to each heart, that you would encourage us and build us up as we gather around uh, your word this morning. I thank you that we will not be left without hearing from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, we've been kind of on an accidental, I say accidental because I wasn't expecting it, uh, series uh, jumping off of 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, which you don't have to turn there this morning, where Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, right? The time of my departure is close. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And there is now reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul's reaching the end of his life and he said, there's a crown of righteousness prepared for me. And we would expect that for Paul. He did a lot of awesome things for the Lord once he was converted. But he says, not just for me, there's a crown of righteousness awaiting all those who have loved his appearing. And that phrase has just been stuck in my crawl for the last few weeks, loving his appearing. And Paul is obviously talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, Jesus returning to this earth and loving that appearing. But like I said, how can we love his appearing, his second coming without loving him? And how can we love him without loving every manifestation of Jesus Christ in our life? And we've gone through some of these uh, baptism. We've talked about communion, ways that he appears before us and we're able to receive from him. And then this last week, as I was uh, thinking on that, I, the Lord took me back to Colossians 3. And I think it was that word appearing, being in there and connecting the two in my mind, but he took me back there and says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, I can't promise you that this morning is going to get any more connected than that. It's been kind of a weird uh, time for me with, with him and in study. This, of course, I didn't I didn't preach last week, so I had a, a Sunday out there and, and then we had, you know, vacation. I've been uh, ruminating. And not marinating for those of you that are already hungry. Ruminating. You know, sometimes we say marinating, but I've been ruminating. Um, and, and I've been put in a spot where I've been able to do quite a bit of thinking, you know, and, and different than, than normal. I mean, my goodness, we, we've had uh, three funerals just here in the last month. Uh, three families here in the church touched by that just here in the last month. And that puts you in a different frame of mind. It really does. I want y'all to know we're here for you. You know, not just at the service, not just at the funeral, but knowing that there's some 
time after that where things aren't the same as they were, right? And there is so much grace in the body of Christ to minister to that. And, and I would encourage you, it's going to be different for everybody. You know, there's going to be things that seem right to you that the other one's like, no, it's not going to say that. That way doesn't seem right to me. Everybody's a little bit different when it comes to that. Don't try to compare yourself to somebody else. And just walk with God, walk with the body through this time. We're here for you. We're not going anywhere. We're here for you because we know that's a big deal. But I've gone to these three men, three men in our community, three husbands, three dads. That's a big deal. And that's a lot for my little heart to be chewing on. Okay. Scripture tells us that it's better for us to go to a funeral than a party. Because death is the end of every man, every one, and the living can still take it to heart. You, know, you, look, you can look around this room. You know, we're pretty different in a lot of ways. One big thing in common, ain't none of us making out of here alive. Right? None of us. None of us are making it out of here alive. And he's saying there in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, you can take that to heart. It gives you a perspective. It has an impact on the way that you think, at least temporarily, again, to know that our lives here aren't permanent, that our days are numbered. And then what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that time of perspective? What are we going to do with that time where we see things a little bit more clearly? And what he's been ministering to me, what kind of settled with me was we have to make sure, I have to make sure that I keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's a little bit of what Matthew was ministering about last week. When he said, you know, your treasure, what is your treasure? Where are your treasures? Because things can get elevated to a position that they shouldn't be in our life. And the Lord just kept drawing me back to keeping the main thing, the main thing, because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we need to know that. We need to be aware of that. Now, you, you, you don't want to walk around every day, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday feeling like death is hanging over your head. You don't want to do that. You can't do that. Your mind can't handle that. But it needs to be close enough that you can touch it and go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be taking today serious. Oh, yeah, I don't know that I may get another Tuesday. I need to take today serious. It needs to be close enough for us to touch it. And when Paul is writing here, he wrote, when Christ who is your life. And again, we, we covered a lot of this three, one on, on through a few weeks ago. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking out the context of this verse. But he says, when Christ, who is your life appears, you will also appear with him in glory. It, it, it puts some big questions in front of me that I've just been thinking on. And I'm going to give you some questions today that I'm not going to have a big answer for you. But I want you to take it and I want you to be thinking on this. When he says, when Christ who is our life, what does it mean for Christ to be your life? What does it mean for Christ to be our life? You know, we hear different things. Ball is life. You know, or we went to the beach. You see people with stickers. Salt life. It's my life. But what does that mean? When, when, when it comes to Christ who is our life, what does it mean? What does it mean for him to be our life? We, we know, we talk about it all the time. I just want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. 
but we don't really think about what does that mean? We know we should be like him. We know we should be following after him. But what does that mean? We know that that's our goal. But that's, again, just ruminating on that. Because if he is my life, I should be looking more like him, right? If he is my life, I should be looking more like him and just thinking on what does that mean? So if you start there this week, what does that mean for you? What does it mean that Christ is your life and that we're to become more like him? What does that mean? And I thought about just stopping right there and going, all right, let's pray and go. Let's go. Cause that's enough. Again, I've been, I've been just chewing on this. For, for over a week now, just, just thinking on, God, what does it mean for you to be my life? I was, uh, I heard a song this last week. I think it was this last week. My days are a little bit mixed up. It'll pick back up tomorrow when I get a Monday, I guess. Um, and, and I'll start off saying, I like this song. So what I'm about to say, don't think that I don't like this song. I like this song. But I, I, I saw, it was on Facebook, a little Facebook video, a church uh, singing this song. Big, huge church, big, huge band, big, huge choir. I mean, really punchy music. I mean, they were rocking out. And it's a song called Famous For. Anybody ever heard this? I think Torrin Wells sings it, if you pull it up. Famous For. And it talks about God. It's like, God, your faithfulness has been my fortress. You're my hope. You're my strength. Your grace. And it says, take me through the waters. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you're famous for. You've heard it? Has anybody heard it? Do what you are famous for. I mean, they were just, they were rocking out. And it's like, shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life. Do what you're famous for. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. Right? It's, it's one of those songs that give you just a little bit of juice. It'll make you flex. It's like, do what you're famous for. And they were, again, boy, they were, they were lit singing this song. And I'm like, yes, let's go. Do what you're famous for. Yes. Ooh. You know, and you have that kind of music and it just gets you kind of, it gets you pumped. She pumped up. And, and, and I was, you know, I'm kind of humming it on later. It's like, release your love. Unleash your power. Yes. Turn it on. And I, you know, I kind of like listening to this song and I'm thinking on it later. You know, again, I'm ruminating. I'm ruminating. And I was like, whoa. What is he famous for? You know, we, we're supposed to sing about his might and his wondrous works. That's what we do when we worship, because we want to have that big view of God. And he said, sing about the wonderful things that I've done so that you'll remember who I am, where I brought you from, where I brought you to. You're supposed to sing about these things. And, and, and again, it, it, this is just a song and it's a song I actually like. But, but I realized something that my heart was wanting to take that a different direction. It was going to take that, I think, even the wrong direction. And the hinge there on it is do what you're famous for. Do what you are famous for. And again, we're talking about Christ being our life and being more like him. Do what you're famous for. And it focuses on some of the big things. Hey, in the Exodus, when he parted the waters, 
Daniel in the lion's den when he was thrown in there to be executed and the angel came and closed the mouths of the lions so that he didn't die in that lion's den that night when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire and they wouldn't bow down. They said, we're not going to do that. You can throw us in the fire if you want to. God's going to deal with us, but we're not going to do that for you. And he threw them in the fire and they made it out. It's like, oh, yeah. But it focuses on these big things, even these big, you know, Old Testament things. Unleash your power. But then I kept hinging on that phrase famous for. What's, what is Jesus famous for? Because Christ, who is our life, the one we're supposed to be like, what is he famous for? And obviously so much, right? So many things. When I was, I was writing my notes for that, I was like, what is Jesus famous for? And I didn't have the answer for it. I was like, I don't know. What's the best way to say this? And, and, and what popped up in, in prayer, there was Jesus is an active help and ministry in the lives of others. Jesus is an active help in ministry in the lives of others. That's what he did when we read about him in Luke. That's what he's doing now. What's he famous for? He's famous for the cross, the work on the cross. Of course. Oh, my gosh. Am I supposed to be like him? Am I supposed to get up there? No. It says he did it once and for all. Once. So I don't have to do that. Now he did tell me to take up my cross and follow him. And so some of the things that he's famous for, I don't think made it into the song, which is okay. But some of the things that he's most famous for, that he should be most famous for, didn't make it into the song because it doesn't have the same flex, right? Take up your cross and follow me and live a life of sacrifice that's going to benefit others. Doesn't make me flex as much. It makes me go, that sounds, whew, that's a, mm, yeah, I mean, okay, that's a lot though. I mean, let's go back talking about the fire. Let's do that. But to live a life of sacrifice for him dedicated to others. That's what he is famous for. So when we say, do what you're famous for, God, what is Christ doing? What did he do? Primarily, what did he do? And as I was reading, I was reading on a great book this week while we were on vacation, and one of the lines in there said that Jesus would seek out unknown and scarily broken people and give them the majority of his time. Jesus would seek out unknown people, scarily broken people. And we know, yes, we know exactly what that means. I was like, that's a great way to put it. And give them the majority of his time. He would teach publicly and then when he, he would mentor privately that small group, right? Preparing them for something. Uh, we know when he was no longer going to be with them, and just think about them, them spending time with Jesus. They didn't go to a seminary. They were learning on the streets. Think about that. They didn't go to a classroom. Jesus was like, come on, where are we going? You'll see. If I tell you, you probably won't come. He was going around the poor, the needy, the sick, the, the demonically oppressed and possessed people. Imagine those meetings, those sites those smells. Just imagine what that would be like. That's what they learned on. Jesus was taking the gospel into dark 
places. He was taking the gospel of light into the darkness, the gospel of wholeness into brokenness. That's what he did daily, even on the Sabbath, even when they thought he wasn't supposed to. They were like, you can't heal him today. It's a Sabbath. He's like, I got to heal him today because I'm going over here tomorrow. I'm on my way. I got stuff to do. Y'all understand. I have something going on. And again, the broken, the outcast, the underrepresented, the needy. That's what he was famous for. And he wasn't even trying to be famous. He was shying away from it. When they tried to make him famous, he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to put me like that because I've got things that I've got to do. And if you try to put me on that pedestal right now, I'm not going to get done what I've got to get done. He shied away from it. He didn't want it. What did he do? He focused on the father. He focused on people and the kingdom and getting people into the kingdom. He kept the main thing, the main thing. So again, that song, awesome song. Make me flex, make me stomp around, feel a little sassy listening to that. Let's go. Let's do it. But when, 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 I'm, when I'm hearing it, you know, do what you're famous for. I'm a, what was on my heart was him saying, I've empowered you to go and make my name famous. I've empowered you now to take my name into those same places. I love the Make Jesus Famous ministry that is going out into our community. Some folks from our church, some folks from other churches, just getting together and going out and loving on people. Not having a big crusade, not having a big to-do, but going out, doing nice things for people, treating them with dignity and respect, especially in some areas where, where, where people don't normally get treated with dignity and respect. And not having a big agenda other than that. We just came out here today to let you know that we care about you. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And I would encourage you to get involved. You're going to have opportunity to get involved. Um, here, starting today, which you're just finding out about it today. And going until school starts, they're going to be collecting uh, hygiene products and items. To, to, to give to children in our community that need them. Okay, some of what, it just happens when you're doing ministry, you notice a need. It's like, we're just out, we're doing ministry and it's really hot. These kids don't smell the best. We don't think that they're, we don't know that they have available to them what they need to wash properly, which we know that can be a health issue. And, and it's something that we can easily get involved in. So when you're at Walmart, when you're out doing your shopping this week, next week, pick something up extra, pick it out. Bring it. We'll have a place for you to put it uh, to where this can be given to kiddos in our community that that need that, that don't have it. They just like uh, they don't have much money in the household. So they got things like we're not spending money on that. This is one of those things that can get put to the wayside. But man, what a difference it can make in a kid's attitude and their conduct when they're like, I can go to school smelling better because somebody thought to help me in this. I don't have to be insecure about that. So if you got any questions about that, get with me or get with Kemper. Um, but it's just going to be that. Somebody just pick up some hygiene products for these kiddos. But they're going out and, and they're doing things like that. Just doing it. Just doing it in the community. That's making Jesus famous. That's putting his name 
forward. Because that's what he was doing. Now, the other thing he was doing, and this is interesting. The other thing he was doing regularly, we talked about all the ministry going out. But the other thing he was doing was he was regularly getting away to pray, commune, and fellowship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit, right? That's what he was doing regularly. You find it in there. He went away to pray. And we were riding in the car, Kelly and I, and I we, we were talking about that. I said, why did Jesus do that? You think, we know that he did. Why did he do it? Was he getting away to pray to the Father, Lord, Father, I really want to understand the Trinity better. I would like for you to explain that to me. I just want some more depth on that. I would really like to know more about how the angels got. No, he wasn't asking things like that. He's Jesus. He knows these things. He knows all of those things. Anything he needed to know, he knew. Why was he getting away to regularly pray to the Father? Because a life or a ministry lived, directed towards others is exhausting. It is exhausting physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It is exhausting. I promise. And most of y'all could testify to that. When you go out and do those things, it pulls things out of you that you didn't know were there. It's not just your physical energy. You're being pulled on. It's something that I can't properly describe to you, but it is exhausting. And it was even for Jesus. Jesus had to go get refueled after ministering daily to people. Being directed towards the people of this world. He had to go and get refueled. Because he wasn't just doing, again, ministry in classrooms or in church services. He was out on these streets. And it gets real out on the streets. Amen. Right? He was in the real world. He was in people's houses. He was on street corners. He was out in fields or on countrysides. And it was exhausting. He needed time with the Father to be renewed because he came here in human flesh like we have. He came here with emotions like we had so that he could know what it was like to be us. And we could know that he knows what it's like to be us. And he was exhausted by it. When Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, appears, what, what's he doing? He's going where people are. He's going even where it's hard, even where it's exhausting. And we're supposed to see that. We're supposed to see that that's what he did and we're supposed to see what he did to maintain that. Because if you don't continue to go to the Father to get filled back up, you're going to become exhausted. See, what we try to do is we try to get around people to get filled up. And we forget, no, 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 no. People drain it out of you, including the ones that live in your house. They will drain it all out of you. You can have fun together, but look, it's going to drain it out of you. If you don't believe me, I'll let you take Luke home with you for a little bit. He will exhaust you. And I've, I've taught it before. What, what's happening in those moments? I, my strength is being poured into his weakness so that hopefully planted into his weakness so that hopefully out of his weakness, his youth, his immaturity, his childlikeness, that out of that strength will grow. But it's got to come from somewhere. 
So it's coming out of me, going into him. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot, but that's what happens when you go out and you do any type of, you know, we get intimidated by this word ministry, but when you go out and help people, love on people, minister to people, it's pouring your strength out so that they can have something they didn't have before. And it's planting something there, believing that God will bring it back out and then it'll bless somebody else. That, 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 that's when you talk about sowing and reaping, but that's, that, that's what is happening. It, but we get around people and we think we're going to get filled up. And we're like, why am I so tired? Well, it's what happens. God's the only one that can fill us up. And so it's hard to do. And so our reflex is to move away from things that are hard. It's our reflex. We don't want to deal with things that are hard. It's one of our fallen human reflexes is to run from those things that are intimidating or exhausting. But for us, for those who, who, who Christ is our life, we should be the ones running to him to get our bucket full so that we can run back out and be poured out into a dry and parched land. That's what the ones who Christ is our life. That's what we should be doing. That's what Jesus did. He is our life. So here's one of the, the thoughts while I was ruminating, one of my concerns from ruminating is that in an effort to make church in America efficient, we have made it easy. And I'll tell you what I mean. You think about how efficient church is. It's like, hey, do you have an hour and a half once a week? Come on in here. We're going to get all of it done in an hour and a half. That's efficient, right? And you got some of them meeting with hundreds and hundreds or thousands of people. That is efficient and it is impressive. And efficiency is good, but when we make it easy, that's not good for our souls. When you make it, when you make it easy, it won't be good for us because when easy is available, we will turn to it from exhausting. This is exhausting. This is easy. I'm going to do what's easy. Right? Efficient is good, easy, not good for our hearts. And look, I mean, I, I love the church. I'm not bashing the church. The church is what it's going to turn everything around. Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. I'm talking about having everything where it's just so easy where I come in and I go out and there's never any need. There's never any drawing. So then I don't have to go to him to get filled up. And then what in the world am I actually doing? True Jesus life is exhausting and it's going to require regular time with him to refuel. And that's why so many people burn out. They're trying to do all of it without going to him and just doing it in themselves. Well, I'm doing it in me. Why? Because I kind of like the attention. I'm going to keep doing it. If I go to him, then he has the uh, attention seat. But that's when we wear out. But true Jesus life is exhausting and requires regular time with the father. When it, when it becomes easy like that, if we're not diligent, what we become is students who just stay in the classroom and never get out and do what they were learning to do. You think about that. We've got some that have been to medical school, some that are going, right? What if all the doctors and nurses and everybody just stayed in the classroom? It'd be a lot easier. We stay in the classroom. What are we going to do in the classroom? We'll read books. We'll read books about things. 
and read what other people's opinions were about them. And then you know what we'll do? We'll discuss them. We'll even argue over them. Well, I don't think that would be the best treatment in this case. I think this would be the best treatment in this case. And they're not a patient in the classroom. And how much did, that's why when you're going through medical school, what do you do? You have a whole stage where it's like, now it's clinicals. We're going to put you in front of people. Why? Because this is how it's supposed to work. This is how you're going to help people. But if, you, if you're a medical student and you just stay in the classroom, you can be deceived to think I'm doing something great. I come in, we talk about all this. I don't feel bad. I feel like I've accomplished something. This is great. And you never do what you were actually training to do. To sit in front of a flesh and blood patient who's got something wrong with them and bring an answer and bring a cure, bring a help, bring peace to that situation if we're not diligent. When Christian American church is easy, we'll become just students that sit in the classroom and never actually doing what we were being taught to do. And I see that in my own heart. I can fall over into that. So I know it's going to be common to everybody. I'm going to try to land this. Again, this is the ruminating, considering serpent, so it's going to be a little whoppy jaw. But when we're talking about Christ, who is our life, appears. Think about that this week. What does that mean for us? When Christ, who is our life, what does that mean? And what does it mean for you to become more like Him? Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear... Okay, I'm gonna have to go home. I'm gonna have to pack a bag and I'm gonna have to tell my family that I won't see them for a long time because I'm gonna have to go do street ministry 24 seven now. That's what I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to be exhausted for Jesus. That's what Stephen said, to be exhausted for Jesus. I've gotta go out and I've gotta do that. Obviously, that's, now maybe, maybe that's you. I don't know. For most of us, that's not gonna be it. Uh, what application of this for most of us is gonna look like is think about all the places where you are where there are other people. Start there. We want to start by engaging there and coming from our time with God, having an overflow of patience and peace and bringing that into that situation. How much better is home life going to go if I treat it like that? If I just plan on, these folks are going to exhaust me. I'm going to have to be ready and be filled up. I'm not going to plan on getting from them what I need for today. I'm going to have to have that from him. And then I've got enough to share, to bring patience and peace to those environments. Home, work, church, just out and about. All the places you go where there are people. All the places you go where there are people. One thing he ministered to me, we're on vacation. There's just people everywhere, people I don't know, and people I can't have a relationship with, right? We're just passing by. That's it. But one thing he encouraged me with is just like everywhere you go, compliment at least one person on something. Say at least one positive thing to somebody who's in there. And I know that doesn't sound like a big thing, and I'm thankful it wasn't a big thing because I can't do big things all day, every day. But I can do some little things with focus and intention that'll make a difference. 
the people that are in your life right now. You've got some deep relationships in your life right now and you've got some shallow ones and that's okay. That's, what it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. But the people that are in your life right now, prioritize them. Move them up in the list. Above the things that aren't people. Not your relationship with God, not your time with Him, but above the things that aren't people, the, the projects that we've got to get done, the processes that we've got to do. I, I find myself, I'm tempted to, to put those above people. Well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. And it bothers me when it's not done. And then I'm diverting my attention and my energy to those things and taking it away from the people in my life. And that's one of the things that he ministered to me during this time of special reflection is prioritize the people in your life above the projects in your life, above the problems in your life. Hey, we can have stuff going on. And sometimes it's going to need to go on for a little while before it can get fixed if it means that I can pour out love and attention and compassion on those around me. Because one thing I have learned from going to these funerals is that's what really matters. Nobody shows up to talk at these services and go, yeah, you know what? He always was at work on time. Nobody ever says that. And I've always heard it said, you know, nobody, when, when you're talking to people that are at end of life, if they're able to talk to you, nobody ever says, I just wish I had worked more. I wish I had done more in my career. I wish we had gone, I wish I had bought the bigger truck. I wish I had done that. Why did I do that? What is always the statement? I wish I had spent more time with the people in my life. Because you can never spend enough with the people in your life, right? But that's always, I wish I had spent more time. So if we know that's the end, why don't we think about that right now and keep the main thing the main thing? Amen. I said, I'm going to land it. I'm almost done. But when we do that, when we prioritize the people in our life, that's going to have some effect across multiple areas. It's going to make some things a lot better. It's going to make some things worse. Some weeks, I'm not going to be as good of a preacher because I spent time with people that week that needed me to spend time with them. Right? It doesn't mean I didn't spend time with God. I mean, I didn't pray and study, but it's going to mean maybe, I, maybe, maybe there were four or five hours there that I could have spent fine-tuning everything and getting you three points in a poem, but I didn't have that because I was with a person. Right. And that's OK. That's what makes Jesus famous. So your house may not be as clean, but you went out to eat with a brother or sister that needed somebody to talk to. Yeah. Maybe that oil change goes a little bit longer than it should. <laughs> but you were able to spend time with the kiddos that night. And you put off the things that don't matter for the things that do matter. And you do it with a heart from him. Because, again, you try to do that by yourself, you're going to wear out. and You're going to be mad at everybody. So don't do that. You have to do it from him for him to others. When Christ, who is our life, appears, it says we'll also be there with him. When he is our life and not just on our schedule. That's a big difference. When he is your life, not just your 1030 on Sunday morning, not just an appointment that you keep when he is your life. And we would all say that he is. That's why you're here. 
again, I have some big questions and not a lot of big answers for you, but I want you to ruminate on some of these things with me this week. Let him fill us up and he'll show us how we can make him famous. And it's a lot simpler than we think it is. Not easy. It's not easy, but it is very, very simple. Amen. Amen. And then hopefully when we get to where somebody's speaking over us at our last service, they're able to say Jesus was their life and they made him famous by being a blessing to others. Amen. Andrew, if you'll come up, we'll get ready to sing together. I want to pray with us as we go. Again, I want you to take some of these things and, and chew on them this week. What does it mean for Christ to be our life? And what does it mean to be more like him? What can I do that makes him famous? You know, again, instead of just coming in and stomping around like, yeah, remember when you did that? You parted the water. Yep, you're awesome. All right, and go back out and not have any change. It's taking it and going, what can I do to love the people around me? Because again, love him and love the ones that he loves. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're with us always. You're our ever-present help in time of need and in time of trouble. You are always with us. I pray that our awareness of your presence would increase, that we wouldn't try to walk through this life alone. God, and as we're walking together, with a clear view of you, we're able to love each other much, much better than we can if we're just messing around trying to do it on our own. I thank you for a view of Jesus, seeing that he poured out his life. He didn't just give his life on the cross, though he did, and we're so thankful. He poured out his life's energy every day for the people that were around him and then came to you to be filled back up. We see that as a model. We, we see that as the one who is our life, that we want to be more like. We see that and we want to follow it. God, give us eyes to see the time that we can spend with you so that then we can spend time with others in your name, making you famous, not looking to other people to fill us up, but coming to you to get filled up so we can be poured out amongst the people. Lord, I thank you for the way that that works in the body. And I thank you that as the body continues to work out of that mindset and that heart, we'll see change in others in our community. We'll see the light come on. We'll see wholeness come out of brokenness as we see the gospel go forward. And I thank you. Thank you that you're there with us in this life as we take those steps. And we won't be students in the classroom, always learning, but never coming to the knowledge. We'll take what you've taught us and apply it and see how well, how perfectly it works. We love you and we thank you. As we get ready to go today, protect us, keep us safe. Lord, I thank you for the assembled body of believers. Lord, those that are out from us today that are, that are ill or infirm, Lord, strengthen them. Give them peace. I thank you that you'll give them rest. They'll raise up from that bed of infirmity in Jesus' name. Ready to take on the week. And Lord, as we go through this week, that you do give us peace that passes understanding. We don't worry about anything, but we come to you with everything. And that peace that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
And I thank you, Lord, that our eyes will be open for that opportunity, that we won't shirk the hard or the intimidating when we know you're standing there with us and understanding we we don't have to have an answer, but we can have an answer for everything. And Lord, sometimes that answer is just bringing patience and peace into situations where it's lacking and doing it in your name and doing it with your power. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That as we go today, we go in peace and unity together with each other. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name.